0: Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God for a special consideration this morning is our second lesson, 2 Corinthians 4 verses 3 to 6, as printed in your bulletins and already read. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, in these increasingly irrational days we live in, it is not hard to imagine anyone protesting anything for just about any reason. So imagine. Imagine a group of disabled people Mounting a campaign against walk and don't walk signals at intersections because they feel left out and shamed. So they want those signals changed to something that reminds them less of their disability. Or imagine another group of of deaf people who, who want to outlaw music because they find no value to it and feel it's a waste of society's money, time, and attention. Ridiculous thoughts. Yes, made up, of course. Laughable? Eh, Maybe. But now imagine a group of sightless people who do not believe in exits. They completely deny not just their value, but their very existence because, well, they can't see them. And then imagine that the building that this group of unbelieving, sightless people is in catches on fire. Now, someone would be able to lead or guide them to safety or tell them how to get out if only they believed in exits. But since they don't, the way out to safety remains hidden to them. Okay, yes, that is a very unrealistic situation, even silly. But still, it's also sad. If that were a real situation, their refusal to accept something that they couldn't see would mean that they would perish needlessly in that fire. And that is not unlike what Paul is describing with unbelievers here in Second Corinthians 4 when he says that the gospel is veiled among those who are perishing. Those who do not believe are blind to the saving light of the gospel. It remains hidden to them. And they perish. They head blindly and needlessly into the fires of hell because they deny the only exit that there is, the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. Do you care? I mean, really, do you care? It is one thing to agree intellectually, in principle, yes, it's terrible that people are going to hell. It's not good. It would be nice if they became Christians. Yes, yes, that's a very nice thought. But it is something else entirely to care. Think about it. Spiritual blindness is deadly. It is eternally fatal. Unbelievers. Every last man, woman, and child who does not believe in Christ for salvation is damned to eternity in hell. And we are not just talking about the unsaved millions in our mission fields over there somewhere. We are also talking about people in your life, here and now, there will be no exceptions to God's judgment made for that, that friend who's really sincere in his false faith or for that godless neighbor who outwardly actually lives a better life than you do or for that child, parent, or sibling who used to believe but who has allowed the God of this age to blind him or her to the light of the gospel. They are all perishing. Already, now, they are already heading down. Do you care? Well, regardless of what you or I or 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 anyone else might think or do, what's most important is that God cares deeply. And He cared enough to do something, to do the biggest thing ever. He looked down from heaven and saw what sin and unbelief did to all people. And he decided that things did not have to end in death and hell. He declared that he loved each and every unbeliever and that he wanted not a single person to perish. He wants all people, all sinners, To be saved. And you know that. We wouldn't be here otherwise. Because we all used to be blind unbelievers. We were all just like the unsaved are now, lost in our sins and unable to live up to the demands of God's law. Because God requires us and all people to be perfect just as He is perfect. And there is nothing that we can do about our imperfection. We could never make up for our sins because they are too many and too great, and because everything that we do is tainted again with sin. We could never even stop sinning because it's in our nature. We can't stop it. And so, what we were, was headed for hell. And if that is the death sentence that we once lived under, and it is, and if we cannot praise God enough for bringing us out from under it, how do we feel about the sentence of death and damnation that the unbelievers all around us are living under? Do we care enough to do anything? Well, how did Jesus feel about it? And what did He do? Well, you know. Thank God. Jesus looked on us and loved us. Jesus gave up His throne in heaven and condescended to become like one of us. An embryo, then an infant, than a child, than a man. He lived a life of perfection in our behalf and for our sake. He suffered the pains of hell and died the death we deserved. And on the cross, He said, That's it. That's all. It is finished. He did it all for us so that we not only would not have to perish, but also so that we would live. Live eternally and live blissfully with Him in heaven. It's a gift. We did not earn it. We did not even ask for it. Grace moved Him to give us what we could never deserve. He loved us. So He saved us. Jesus did that for you and me. He also did that for all those people that you are thinking of now who do not yet believe in Jesus and His love. The problem is that they don't know yet what He did for them. They have not seen the light of their salvation yet. Now, the fault for that does not lie with the gospel. There is nothing wrong with that. Sure, Paul says, it has been veiled or hidden, but only to those who don't see any use for it. You know the old expression, there's none so blind as them that would not see. Satan, the god of this age, likes it this way. He knows that he is going down at the end of time, and he wants to drag as many poor, damned souls with him as he can. And so he uses the things of this world, like wealth and pride and pleasure, to keep unbelieving minds unbelieving and to keep sin darkened hearts in the shadows of guilt and unbelief. What is really and truly tragic is how readily and easily men, women, and children cooperate with the devil and join him on that path to hell. But there is a light. There is a light that shines in the darkness and it is Jesus Christ, our Lord. The transfiguration should remind us of that. That meek, mortal, loving man who allowed himself to be mocked, beaten, bruised, and crucified for our sake also allowed his glory, allowed his glory to shine in unrestricted splendor For those few moments on that mountaintop, as bright as a flash of lightning, He did this for the sake of His disciples and for our sake as well. So that we would see and remember that He is the Son of God. So that we would see and remember that He went to the cross willingly not because he was powerless to do anything about it. And he did this so that we would see and remember that the glory he laid aside to save us, he would take up again and share with us when it all was over. And that glory, that light, fills our hearts. It gives us the knowledge of our Savior and of our salvation. It gives us comfort that our Lord is with us in all things and at all times. It gives us confidence that we belong to the Almighty God Himself and that nothing and nobody can separate us from His love. And that light takes away any chance that we would use the gospel to promote ourselves. It's all about Jesus. You know, from little on up, we are told that we shouldn't look at really, really bright lights, or we might go blind. Isn't it interesting, almost ironic, that God uses a bright, shining light to cure spiritual blindness and give sight to those who could not see? And that light of love, of knowledge, and of glory that that keeps on shining and illuminating our hearts and lives also gives us something to do. On account of Jesus, because of Christ, for His sake, we take a shine to our neighbor. Consider these many stories. The old man who ran the bookstore liked the way the teenager he just hired treated the customers. He took a shine to him right away. That cute girl in Austin's class at college seems to have all the same interests he does. He's really taking a shine to her. Joan was worried that she would feel out of place and alone in the retirement home. Her daughter reassured her, "'Don't worry, Mom.' They'll take a shine to you as soon as they meet you. Jack saw that Mrs. Jones next door still didn't have her lights back on after the power went out. She'd be in trouble there in the dark. So he went over and gave her his extra flashlight. He took a shine to his neighbor. Did you notice the progression and shift in those little stories? First comes interest, then caring, affection, maybe even love. But in the last little story, we saw something different. Jack cared about his neighbor, and so when he saw her in trouble, he took a shine to her. He shared his light with her. And that's what we can do to take a shine to our neighbors share the light of the gospel that shines in our hearts with with anyone and everyone who, who doesn't have it yet. We call it witnessing. It's telling unbelievers, first of all, that they are indeed perishing in the dark, that they're lost in their sin and that there's nothing they themselves can do to change that. But it is also, and wonderfully, telling believers who have been convicted of their sins That God loves them and that He forgives them for Jesus' sake. Now, that would seem to be pretty simple to talk about if you really believe the message of sin and grace. These are not, after all, unfamiliar topics to us. But still we hesitate. We run away. We make excuses and generally we wait to witness. Why do so many Christians have trouble taking a shine to their neighbors like this? One of the reasons is that we often let the light of the gospel grow a little dim in us. We don't let it shine directly on our hearts and lives the way we should. So ask yourself, If an unbeliever were to ask you how being a Christian has changed you or what difference your faith makes in your life, would you be ready to answer? What would you say? Have you thought about it lately? Now, maybe you don't have a conversion story that you can remember. Praise God you've been a Christian since you were a baby! But you can still talk about how different your life would be if God were not there for you, if you were still carrying around the guilt of your sin, if you were afraid of death, if you hadn't had the confidence that your dearly departed loved one would be with you in heaven. Those are all appropriate ways to witness because they all give you a chance to tell someone about Jesus remember the people that you're sharing him with are are people you care about and people and and you have something that that they desperately need a light to end the darkness and when you are talking about what a difference christ has made in your life you are doing the same thing that the apostle paul said that he was doing in our text preaching jesus christ as lord Really, it's all about Jesus. He is the light. He is our salvation. His is the face that shows us God's glory. Like Him, you care deeply and act sacrificially in order to save unbelievers from perishing. Because of Him, you make yourself a slave to anyone who needs to hear about Him. And enlightened by him, you share the light of God's glorious gospel. This is your pleasure. This is your privilege. You take a shine to your neighbor. Amen. Please rise. Now, to him who is able to strengthen you, according to the gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, to God who alone is wise, be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen.